It's game day, Tampa Bay. You're listening to Lightning Power Play Live. Left circle, Stamkos. Holds, holds, shoots, scores! Stamkos! Again! The latest Lightning news, interviews, and more. Wow. With your host, Greg Linelli. That's great, folks. That's great right there. On Lightning Power Play. All right, all right. It is game night here on Lightning Power Play. Greg Linelli with you. Tampa Bay gets set to take on Minnesota, a place that has given them problems throughout the entire time Minnesota has been a franchise. 11-2 they are against the Tampa Bay Lightning all time at home. And that's a pretty interesting statistic and record when you take a look at how these two teams have played over the years. Uh, Tampa Bay, especially over the last four or five, one of the best teams in the league, Minnesota, you know, basically an average team. And uh, they are anything but average, though, when they take on the Lightning. So, again, I go back to why uh, Tuesday night was so important to get a win because tonight, however it turns out, who knows, will be a tough one, regardless of how poorly Minnesota has played coming into this game. And make no mistake, they have. I mean, they've lost four in a row. They're a team, when you take a look at their roster up and down, they really don't have any young players that excite you a great deal. And they're surrounded and made up by a bunch of veterans who, I don't want to say are past their prime, because, you know, at times they can do some really good things. But, you know, Zach Parisi, Eric Stahl, I mean, these are guys who are in their early to mid-30s that, you know, their best days probably are behind them, even though they've put up some decent numbers. Ryan Suter, obviously, another guy on the back end that is um, still pretty productive. But, you know, it's just a team that doesn't excite you. And if they're not getting great goaltending, they're really not competitive. And they haven't gotten great goaltending uh, between Stalock and Dubnik. Um, I think goals against over three for both guys. Dubnik, we know about some personal issues he's been having off the ice with his wife, who's uh, facing some sort of illness and our thoughts and prayers are with him and his, his family for sure. You never want to see somebody go through those type of struggles. But he has been mediocre and Stalock's been mediocre. Now, again, sometimes that changes when they play Tampa Bay because they look like a playoff team. But again, that's why it was so important to get the two points against the Kings on Tuesday, knowing that you have a back-to-back today and tomorrow between the Wild and Jets. It looks like Curtis McElhaney will get to start tonight against Minnesota, which means... Andre Vasilevsky will be going against Winnipeg. And there is a chance that Ryan McDonough is in the lineup. He uh, was skated today and was with Eric Chernak today at the morning skate. So that's an encouraging sign. Line combinations from the morning skate. Palat points Kucherov. Stamkos, Sorelli, Johnson. Volkov, Paquette, Kalorn for Hagee, Stevens, and Gord. So, uh, again, your top six were... On the back end, Hedman and Ruta, McDonough, Chernak, Sergachev, and Shattenkirk. So you really like what John Cooper has done, I think, especially at the forward position, basically allowing everybody to play with one another, typically keeping two guys per line together throughout, but giving everybody a taste to play with skilled players. I mean, we've seen Kalorn have success in a top six. Now he's in a third-line role with Paquette and Volkov. Tyler Johnson was somebody who was in the bottom six, but now he's playing with Sorelli and Stamkos. And I think it's trying to keep guys fresh throughout an 82-game season and making them feel like they deserve to be with this team and belong and and they're part of the team. And I, I do think part of being a head coach in any sport, 
really, I think is psychology, making sure everybody's on the same page and feeling like they have a role on this team. Yes, you need to be a good tactician, some better than others. You need to be a good motivator, some better than others. But I think you also have to have a nice pulse of where your team is. And I think you have to understand that you're dealing with a lot of different personalities. And everybody wants to score and everybody wants to feel like their role is just as important as somebody else's on the team. And I think John Cooper's done a nice job of keeping everybody pretty fresh and we'll see what happens again. Curtis McElhaney looks like he will be getting the start tonight in that. And again, it's a place where they've struggled, and maybe you don't want to subject Vassy to that tonight and keep things going because he's been playing really well. And why mess with a good thing? And so again, John Cooper, I think, picking and choosing some pretty good spots here to play Vassy. And hopefully McElhaney, who's had some tough draws of late, no doubt, uh, in net, can uh, put forth a solid effort, and hopefully the Lightning can do some damage against, as I said before, a pretty mediocre um, Minnesota team. They really, on paper, they don't scare you a ton. The only thing that concerns you, I think, when it comes to Minnesota and some of its emotion and how they'll react is uh, they gave up seven goals to Pittsburgh a couple of nights ago, and they've lost four in a row. So you combine that with them playing at home tonight, and maybe you have a perfect storm of a team that's going to be uh, playing pretty well. Time will tell. We'll find out here in just a little bit. And we'll talk to Tom Reed, who is um, the former NHLer and uh, the radio analyst um, on their broadcast. We'll talk to him about why they've struggled and, and what to expect. Because I think this is a team, folks, when we start talking about players that could be dealt, I, I said to you before, look, look at the teams who are in last place or near last place at this time uh, in the season. And a guy that keeps popping up, and I, I don't think Tampa Bay will it will be able to afford him because of his salary. But, you know, again, if you swap players that are making a similar salary with uh, Jason Zucker, then maybe that's a scenario where you, you deal for a guy like that. But he's on the trade block. There's no doubt about it. And he's been rumored to go to Pittsburgh, but I think he's a guy that Bill Guerin might like to deal. And I even think a guy like that, they're probably looking to pick up draft picks because I think that's one of the things the team has done a poor job of doing is trading away NHL players for prospects and draft picks, and they've just not been able to hit on a bunch of those players, and it's a reason why they're uh, mediocre. And that's probably the worst thing you can be in a salary cap era. Either be really bad and get some high draft picks and get the rebuild going, or be really good, which means you've hit on those draft picks and you're competing for a Stanley Cup game in and game out. But um, this Minnesota team, as I said before, not the greatest, not to get excited about, not a lot to get excited about. And we'll see if the Lightning can take care of business tonight. And that way you make tomorrow not as stressful, knowing that you've picked up four points out of a possible six heading into that game against Winnipeg. So we'll see what happens. We'll talk to Dan Harrodon from LightningInsider.com. He's up next. And then, as I said before, Tom Reed, he is their color analyst on the radio side. We'll get his thoughts on why Minnesota has struggled and what are their expectations moving forward at the trade deadline. It's all coming up next. Hit me up on Twitter, at Greg Linnelli. Glad you're with us here on a Thursday on Lightning Power Play. You're listening to Lightning Power Play Live. Kita Kutrop, left circle, cross ice, Johnson, right circle. Jump score! Oh, what a snipe! The latest news, interviews, and more with your host, Greg Lanelli. He would not be denied! On Lightning Power Play. 
All right, Lightning Power Play Live. It continues on a Thursday. Greg Linnelli with you. We're getting you set for Lightning and the Wild. And I got to be honest with you. When you take a look at this game, it concerns you a bit for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Now, when I say concerns you, it doesn't mean, you know, that Tampa Bay is going to fold and, and they're afraid to play Minnesota. It's just Minnesota really isn't that great this year, but they own Tampa Bay on their home ice. I mean, it's amazing. All time. 11-2, and two, and they own a seven-game win streak in St. Paul. That's dating back to November 28th of 2011. So they're good at home. They play well against the Tampa Bay Lightning on home ice. And you just wonder what type of effort we're going to see tonight from the Tampa Bay Lightning. Minnesota currently not in a playoff spot. In fact, they're eight points out of the last wild card in the West. So that kind of puts you in perspective of where this team is. And here to talk about it, our good friend, Dan Harajan from lightninginsider.com. Dan, you've been around sports a long time. Sometimes you can't really comprehend when another team has another team's number. And I think in this particular instance, it truly is head scratching in some ways. I know they only play twice a year, but Minnesota has owned Tampa Bay throughout the course of uh, their inception. Yeah, and I didn't like the emphasis on long time covering sports, but <laughs> we, we we can get past that. But uh, no, I would agree with you. And and you know, come to think of it, uh, a few seasons ago, that's where Andre Palat was hurt. Uh, for whatever reason, the Wild has has had the Lightning's number, especially in it playing in Minnesota, and. Come, the Wild is coming off a a very bad beatdown put upon them by the Pittsburgh Penguins on Tuesday. So this is going to be a this team is going to be a little more ornery than they might otherwise have been on top of the recent history against the Lightning. So if there was a trap game in the NHL schedule for the Lightning. This certainly is it with the upcoming all-star break. Um, this, this certainly could be a, a, a game on the road, you know, coming off that exciting overtime or shootout win against the, the, the Kings on Tuesday. This certainly is a game that the lightning might, um, might struggle in. So well, and that's we'll, why Dan, we'll what happens. I think that, and I think you might agree. That's why the, the win against the Kings was so important because now it, it takes a bit of pressure off of Tampa Bay having to maybe win the next two games and collect four points. You, you beat the Kings in an exciting game on home ice. Now, I think a lot of people would look at this and say, if you split between Minnesota and Winnipeg, that would be considered a win. Sure. And don't forget, had they lost against the Kings on Tuesday, that would have been the second consecutive loss coming off the loss Sunday against New Jersey, then, then the lightning would be coming into tonight's game in Minnesota where they haven't had very much luck. What, you know, you said 11 and two or actually yeah. two and 11, mm-hmm. um, for the lightning, they could be, they, you know, they could have easily been facing a three potential three game losing streak with, with the last game before the all-star break in, in Winnipeg. So yeah, it, it, that when you look at it, that way, then you then you realize how how important, maybe not critical, but certainly how important the victory 
um, Tuesday against Los Angeles was for the Lightning. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, the Lightning uh, in a spot, Dan, where I've said one of the more underrated aspects, maybe the biggest underrated aspect of this Lightning team hasn't been, you know, eventually going on this long win streak or maybe some of the individual accolades that some players have achieved this year. It has been able to being able to avoid the long losing streak that I think has allowed them to be in this position because while they weren't winning a ton of games early on and, and maybe they were winning a couple, losing a couple, they never got themselves too far behind the pack. And then inevitably, when they were going to go on a win streak, you felt like they were going to move up the standings pretty quickly. And that's exactly what they did. Right. And I think, you know, uh, you're right. Early in the season, there was there were certainly uh, some areas of their game where the Lightning were struggling. But for the most part, I think the effort and the compete level was in, in most games has been where, where the team want and the coaching staff wanted it to be. That said though, yeah, they did struggle early on. It seemed like, uh, you know, one victory, then one loss, two victories, a couple losses, uh, you know, and they were seesawing back throughout the, the first month, month and a half of the season. But you knew it was just a matter of time where they would rattle off. I thought that they would rattle off four or five victories in a row, you know, uh, for them to, to reel off that 10 game winning streak. That was something, it certainly put them back into, uh, into the conversation of who are the top teams in the NHL this, this season, the, the lightning certainly are in that conversation, but this is a, you know, we're a little bit past the halfway point of, of the 82 game uh, regular season. It's a marathon. They had a great win streak, but I'm sure as, as a team to a man, they want to finish off these last two games before the all-star break on a winning fashion. Dan, I asked this question on my show yesterday. Now that uh, Tampa Bay has gotten themselves back into the uh, the playoff picture here in the Eastern Conference, in your opinion, who is the best team right now in the East? Because I feel like probably every couple of weeks it changes. Well, it does, and you know you can you can look at Washington. Obviously, you can look at uh, the Islanders, uh, Boston, um, even even Toronto has. You know, after after Mike Babcock was fired, I think a lot of people just assumed that Toronto would would um, slide down the standings. I think they have surprised some people, but but I'll tell you, and you and I have had this conversation offline. The team that really is scary to me, just looking at it through the Lightning perspective, it's the Pittsburgh Penguins, and the way if you. You know, I was analyzing the game against Minnesota two days ago, two nights ago. To think that they have not had Crosby, Sidney Crosby, for a couple of months, and they're still up there in the Metropolitan and in the Eastern Conference, you could see the energy having Sid back for that game Tuesday, what he brought. And like you said, even though the wild are having a, a, they're struggling this season, there's an awful lot of talent on that team. You know, when you think of guys like Zach Parisi and, and, and Gary Suter and, and even Devin Dubnik, 
who has been among one of the better goalies in the league. There's, there's an awful lot of talent on that wild roster to, to get embarrassed the way they did against Pittsburgh um, Tuesday. I think it says a lot about the Penguins and the, the return of Sidney Crosby and what he means to that franchise. Uh, I've said it to you before. I would not want to face the Penguins in, in the first round of, of, of the playoffs. That team is scary. Good. Um, I, you know, it's hard to, it's hard for me to pinpoint one team or the other. You can obviously say, well, Washington is, is leading the pack in points, but you know, it's until all of the games are played, you know, you can call, you can talk about games in hand. You can talk about schedule home, home games versus, uh, road games. And you've got, you've got five or six good teams when you, in the Eastern conference, when you talk about, uh, Boston, the lightning, Toronto, Washington, Pittsburgh, and, and, and the Islanders. And, and they're all very, very good teams. They're all at or about 60 points or more already, uh, in the, in the season so far. Um, there's awful lot of talent. One thing you can say is should whichever team ends up coming out of, out of the Eastern conference, they're going to be battle tested and ready to go. Yeah, no doubt. And, um, I know you feel the same way. I think the lightning probably feel that way as well, considering some of the adversity they faced, um, this year in the schedule, Dan Harajan from lightning insider.com joins us here on lightning power play live getting you set for lightning and wild. What impressed you about that game against the Kings? Because really, the last two games, I don't think Tampa Bay necessarily has played poorly, Dan. You know, we talk about the loss to the Devils and then the shootout win against the Kings. I think their structure and, for the most part, the way they want to play was intact, which allowed them to be in both of those games. But uh, what impressed you the most uh, in that win, that shootout win against the Kings a couple nights ago? I'll tell you, I think the word that comes to mind for me is resiliency. It, it, it could be so easy for a team. Look, we, we know that the parity in the NHL is, is probably at an all-time high. Any team can beat any other team on any given night. So when you look at, at if you're just going to look at, at the records or let's say even the last 10 games, uh, you could easily dismiss the, the, the Kings, but they brought it Tuesday from the, from the opening puck drop. They, they, and they jumped out to a two nothing lead, you know, a little bit past the halfway point of the first period that certainly, you know, coming off the loss for the lightning coming off the loss Sunday to in New Jersey, that could easily have been a game where, where they would have just mailed it in, so to speak that they wouldn't have put forth the effort, you know, down to nothing, uh, right off the bat. Um, but they didn't. And they, they, they stuck with their, with their game plan. They, they tried to win and, and ended up winning an awful lot of puck battles in the offensive zone. At times, Los Angeles struggled to get the puck out of their zone shift after shift. And I just, I just felt that, that the lightning, all four lines were resilient. They didn't, they didn't, you know, uh, stick their head in the sand after going down to nothing. They fought hard to get that first goal. 
and you could see the tide turning when, even though the Lightning were down 2-1 after Killorn scored that first goal, the second goal by Stamkos, to me, just epitomized what I'm talking about because, you know, they had that breakaway. Johnson tried to feed Sorelli, but it bounced. I think it hit the, the defender's stick or skate, and it was just sitting there, and and uh, Quick didn't do a, a, a good job of covering that up. And certainly a garbage goal, not the typical Steven Stamkos type of goal, but there he was, you know, he was the trailer on the play and, and, and he knocked it in to tie the game from that point on. I think the lightning, even when Los Angeles took that three, two lead in the third, you knew it was just a matter of time. And I just, before I forget, I do want to say that face-off win by Anthony Sorelli with a minute 15 left on the clock to get that puck in Nikita Kucherov's wheelhouse to tie the, to tie the game at three, that battle. I mean, he was pretty much by the time the puck came squirted out of the, the, the dot Sorelli was face down on the ice battling and, uh, you know, hats off to the kid for winning that face off. It was a must win face off minute 15 left down by one and he get he gets it to the reigning MVP and and what does Kucherov do? But he just blasted past Quick to tie the game. Uh, it was just an amazing effort. And it, like I said, re- I think the team was resilient. And when we think about the postseason, you know the the seven game series, there's going to be highs and lows in in any seven game series. But the, but the teams that end up moving on to the next round and, and ultimately to the Stanley Cup are the teams that can bounce back. You mentioned adversity, and certainly the Lightning have gone through their share of adversity in the first three months of the, of the season. But to be able to meet that adversity and then overcome it, you need to be resilient. And that's what, this, that's what I saw Tuesday against L.A. Dan Hare, John from LightningInsider.com, joins us here on Lightning Power Play Live. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. Hit me up on Twitter at Greg Linelli. Don't forget to Tom Reed. He's part of the Wild broadcast on the radio side. Will join me in segment four as we get you set for Lightning and Wild on Lightning Radio. You're listening to Lightning Power Play Live. Shot taken, Morgan! What a save by Vasilevsky! No rebound! The latest news, interviews, and more. No. With your host, Greg Lanelli. Really? On Lightning Power Play. Lightning Power Play Live rolls along. Greg Lanelli with you. Dan Harajan from LightningInsider.com has been gracious enough to hang on for one more segment on the show. Hit me up on Twitter at Greg Lanelli. Andre Vasilevsky continues to play well. Dan, you feel like he's back to being the Vasi we saw for the majority of last year. Nine-game win streak going back to December 23rd against Florida. It's tied for the second-longest win streak of his career. Uh, Going to the All-Star game, which is a lot of fun. Paces the NHL for wins. Where do you see him right now with his play? Well, you know, I, I still think there's a little bit more room for him to reach some of the levels that we saw. Listen, an elite goalie throughout the course of an 82-game season, an elite goalie has to be able to steal a few wins for for his team throughout the 82-game season. 
So, you know, through the first three months or so, when, when Vasilevsky was clearly struggling, we, we, you know, we've, we've talked about the fact that he wasn't at, his, at, at the same level that he played last season when he won the Vezina Trophy. He's getting there, and I think he's at the point where he, he can steal a, a game here and there for the, for the Lightning when, when perhaps the Lightning aren't, aren't playing at, at their best. And I think once that we see that happening, I think we can safely say that he's he's reaching the same level that he that we saw last season. He's certainly getting there. These last uh, three weeks, four weeks, maybe uh, his safe percentage is hovering or over nine ninety four percent. That's that's elite goaltending, and you get that kind of goaltending, he's going to give your team. A chance to win, and you know it's no no surprise that they were able to rattle off that ten game winning streak when your goalie's playing as well as as Vasilevsky's been playing the last two, three, four weeks. Alex Kalorin's magical season continues. Scored his nineteenth of the season at ten oh six in that game, uh, Dan against uh, the Kings, and um, looked pretty good doing it. But it was a great play by Alex Volkov to get him the puck. Like to see a little bit more of that from Volkov. We've heard so much about him. I think his second stint up here with Tampa Bay's been been better than the first. But what did you see from Volkov that you liked? Yeah, well, you know, certainly that play. I mean that that was a top six uh, play. You expect that from your from your top six forwards. You know, uh, Volkov certainly has that ability. I think what I'd like to see more from from him, and I'm sure the the coaching staff and the and and the team would agree, is a little bit more consistency. I think he certainly has the skills. He shows that we see flashes of that. What we need to see now is is a little more consistency from him, because. He certainly, you know, he's getting the opportunity, and when he's getting the opportunity, he's getting that opportunity with playing with, uh, you know, on the top two lines, and 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 that should help him showcase his abilities more. As I said, on a more consistent basis, uh, you know, it's it's exciting to see him and and Stevens and Verhage. Uh, you know, certainly Stevens and Verhage are are once they they were lined up on the same line. I think with Gord, I think that that line has really uh, become their energy line for the team, and they you know they just they they go gangbusters and and they a good shift or let's say a few good shifts from your third and fourth line like that, they can certainly turn the tables within a game, within a period, within the game. And, and, you know, I'd like, I, I'd like to see that, that consistency from not only Volkov, but also continue to see it from Stevens and Verhage. You know, Dan, I think you bring up a good point. Dan Harrigan from lightninginsider.com. I get questions asked on Twitter, you know, relatively frequently here with the, uh, the trade deadline coming up soon. And you get, you know, is, is a guy like Kreider from the Rangers on Tampa Bay's radar? Is there somebody else out there that Tampa Bay maybe needs to go out and get? And 
I don't know if they're going to go out and make a splash. Don't know. But I'm wondering when it comes to maybe bringing in some depth pieces, I think they will go out and bring somebody and maybe compliment the third and fourth line. But I'm wondering, do you think they're taking a longer look at that, seeing how well Mitchell Stevens and Carter Verhage has played here recently? Or do you still feel like, even if they play really well, getting somebody else who's a veteran for the playoff stretch, maybe even at the expense of playing time for Verhage and Stevens, makes some sense? Well, and, and I think it, it depends on, on, you know, you mentioned Kreider. It depends on, on who Julian Brisebois is targeting. You know, uh, a month or two ago, you and I were talking about, um, you know, at, frankly, at that point in the season, we were, weren't even sure if the Lightning were going to be buyers or sellers come the, the deadline. Uh, clearly, with the move, you know, the coming off the heels of the 10-game win streak, that that the the lightning are going to be buyers and the Kreider the Kreider rumors they certainly are intriguing that's that that's a guy who who has some leadership skills he's certainly a a very good player obviously the question would be you know at what cost would you what what would it cost the, the lightning to bring in a guy like that um Having said that, it wouldn't surprise me if if Julian Brisebois stands pet like he did last last season. Now, I say that because even though a month or so ago you and I were talking about that we thought perhaps a defensive defenseman might be the ticket for this team, but I think the Lightning, you know, at that point in time, they were struggling with a with a penalty kill. They were struggling giving up uh, forty plus shots a game. They were struggling. With, you know, the goaltending was struggling, and and you know, a lot has changed since then. I've been looking at some of the the metrics for defensemen around the league, and the Lightning. When you look at what Shattenkirk, Sergachev and Hedman have been doing, they're among the three best defensemen in the league so far this season. And now granted, you're probably, you know, you're looking at those three and saying, well, those are mostly offensive defensemen and you'd be right. But at the same time, their, their expected goals against have been among the tops among defensemen in the league. So they're, they're clearly doing a lot of things right in the defensive zone. You know, Hedman, we know he's one of the best, you know, arguably he's in the conversation. If you're talking about the best defenseman in the league, we haven't necessarily uh, had Shattenkirk and Sergachev in that conversation, but clearly both have brought an awful lot, not just offense. I mean, we, we talked about Shattenkirk playing on the PK and that PK went from, uh, bottom of the of the league, or close to the bottom, twenty eighth or 29th. and they're they're currently sitting, I think, sixth, sixth or seventh in the league. So they they've made a a, a dramatic turnaround. Uh, I'm not so sure that because of the the success of this team, let's say over the last month, that that I don't think it's a a foregone conclusion that Breezeball is going to make a move. It wouldn't surprise me if he didn't, although. I, I think certainly 
you know, the rumors of Kreider coming to Tampa, uh, they, those rumors have to start somewhere. And I'm sure that, 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 uh, the lightning, they would be remiss if they're not inquiring, uh, into Kreider or some of the other, uh, available players. Yeah. I think you bring up a good point. And I think that's the luxury of having a, a solid team up and down the lineup. You, you really don't have to go out and make a move. You just wonder, does Julian Breezewell, who really didn't do a heck of a lot last year, feel more inclined to maybe add a piece here and there to get over that hump? Because, you know, you you and I have talked about this for the last number of years. The goal is to win a Stanley Cup. And, Dan, I don't think anybody should be married to prospects down in Syracuse. If you have to part ways with some of those players, I think you do it. The goal is to win. Right. And, and you and I, have, in some of those conversations, we've talked about known quantities and Chris Kreider is a known quantity. This guy has produced in this league for a few seasons. So we know what this, I, there's no reason to think his production is going to, to fall by the wayside should, should Brees Ball pull the trigger on the trade. But at the same time, some of these prospects, they may, they're unknown quantities. Sure, the upside is tremendous because they're young and, and they're probably, uh, you know, on their, obviously on their entry level contract. So we're not talking about huge cap issues for these prospects. But at the same time, they're unknown. How good are they going to be? You know, there's, there's you know, just as many. Uh, as, as much success as the Lightning have had over the last few seasons, bringing up guys, you know, where where players would seemingly come up, you know, Braden Point, uh, 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 Yanni Gord, some of these guys over the last two, three seasons, and even you know, you could look at a guy like Mitchell Stevens, who perhaps nobody gave even a thought in in training camp, and and you know, he, he's he's winning his faceoffs, he's putting in some productive. 10, 11, 12 minutes uh, of ice time every game. And, and he certainly has put in the work and performed and given the production to, to, to keep that roster spot. There's a lot of guys in Syracuse that there's still, there's perhaps more questions than answers. And that's, that's the unknown part of it. And, and I, if, if Brisebois can make a trade that he feels is going to help the team for this season with adding a guy like Kreider or, or whomever may be available for the Lightning to get, I, I don't think that there's any, any hesitation in him. Depends on the prospect, obviously, but I don't think there's any hesitation on Brees Ball's part to, to pull the trigger on a trade like that. Yeah, and you know, I think the Lightning have been very fortunate where the, a lot of their role players are, are young and on entry-level contracts, so they don't cost a ton. I think their star players mm-hmm. are secured right now. And I don't know, Dan, they, I think another interesting debate would be outside of your core group of guys. I, I know some players may be harder to move than others, but if there is a deal out there that involves Tampa Bay possibly parting ways with somebody on their NHL roster currently, is that something that you would look into? Well, sure. I mean, uh, again, I think Brees Ball would be remiss if he didn't didn't calculate or figure into any possible trade. Now, when you talk about the core, I was, it's funny that you mentioned it because I was thinking about that this morning. That that you know, my core six on this Lightning roster right now would be, in no particular order, would be Vasilevsky, uh, Kucherov. 
Hedman, um, Braden Point, Stamkos, and Sorelli. I'd probably well, you know, it's it's difficult because I was going to say Ryan McDonough, just because that that defensive presence you you need that. But I certainly can make the case for Sorelli. I I haven't even mentioned Kalorn yet. And and with the monster season that for him that he's having, primarily as a third liner, you know, what about Sergachev? And, you know, you and I have talked about whether or not they can even retain Shattenkirk after the season. Obviously that's a that's a, a, a question that's gonna loom for 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 the for the team after the season. But you know, that 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 core group is is I I'd stack that core group against any NHL's top six uh, players on their roster right now. And there's a few guys that, that we haven't even mentioned. We haven't even talked about Pilat or Johnson and, 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 or Gord. And maybe those, those are, are some of the guys that may be uh, figuring into if Breesball were to pull the trigger on a blockbuster deal and certainly getting, getting, you know, making a trade that would involve either, either a Tyler Johnson or Andre Pilat uh, Yanni Gord, uh, uh, that would be, that would be, it probably will be considered a blockbuster deal. You know, uh, I don't know if that's in the works or not. I think if Breesbaugh does make a move, it's going to be a tweak here and there. Uh, maybe a, a, a veteran NHL player for a top prospect, uh, would be the deal that I think that ends up happening. If again, Big if, if Griezmann were to were to make a, a a deal before the deadline again, it wouldn't surprise me if he didn't, because I think this team certainly the way it stands right now, barring any unforeseen injuries, the way this Lightning team is structured right now, it certainly is is would be considered a serious Cup contender. Absolutely. Dan Harajan from LightningInsider.com joins us here on the show, getting you set for Lightning and Wild and uh, a lot of good stuff. See, when you're successful, Dan, you've got a lot of options here, and certainly Tampa Bay can stand pat. Tampa Bay could make a couple of moves. I'm not sure anybody would be completely surprised um, with what they do. Uh, lastly here, uh, when we talk about this Lightning team and, and where they're headed, trying to wrap up these next two games before the All-Star break, uh, now that you had a chance maybe to reflect back on the first X amount of games, do, do you feel like this is a, a new and improved Lightning team with how they're playing? Or do you still need to see a bit more before you're convinced that what they're trying to do is is permanent? Well, I do. I am convinced that what they're trying to do now is permanent. Now, whether that translates on ice every single game for the remaining whatever 38, 35 games that they have left, that's something we have to wait to see. But I certainly believe that if you look at, at the way this team played during that 10 game winning streak, I think that you can see any, any lightning fan can see a noticeable difference between the way this team now over the last two, three weeks has been playing versus how they played last season, especially in the playoffs, but even in the postseason over the last few seasons, where it was high-octane offense that, let's say, covered some 
inadequacies on the defensive side until such time where the offense failed them. Then they, th- this team seemed to be a little bit exposed, you know, not being able to score a couple seasons ago in the playoffs against Washington, having a three, two, three games to two lead with play, you know, in, in the best of seven in the Eastern conference finals and not being able to score a goal in game six or game seven, you know, the, the, the sweep last season at the hands of the Columbus blue jackets and where the offense just, just, you know, took a vacation, an early vacation that, that I think this team is built differently. I think we're seeing that. I think this team is prepared, let's say better prepared for the postseason type of games than in seasons past. I'm anxious to see if if what I've seen over the last few weeks is what we'll see in the postseason. If it is, I think I think it bodes well for for a deep playoff run by the Lightning. Dan, outstanding stuff, buddy, as always. Uh, we'll do it again in a, uh, a couple of weeks. We've got the break next week with the All-Star game, of course, and the festivities surrounding that. But we'll pick it up again, and uh, we'll do some good hockey talk, as we always do. Sounds good. Thanks for having me, Greg. All right, there he goes. That is Dan Harajan. You can check him out, lightninginsider.com. Coming up next, we will talk to the radio analyst for the Wild, Tom Reed, on Lightning Power Play. You're listening to Lightning Power Play Live. Crosby, open in front, backhand shot. What a save. miraculous stop. The latest news, interviews, and more. Finally! With your host, Greg Lanelli. Oh, the relief on his face. On Lightning Power Play. All right, Lightning Power Play Live continues. We're getting you set for Lightning and Wild coming up in just a few moments for the pregame show. But joining us right now, glad to have him on, former NHLer and now Wild Color Analyst on the radio side. Let's welcome to the program Tom Reed. And Tom, first off, bud, great to be with you. And I've got to ask you, you've been around sports a long time, and you've seen cases where one team has a really good record against another, regardless of how good that team is. And for the Wild... That is the case when they play the Lightning, isn't it? Uh, you're right. And the thing is, Minnesota's had great success against the uh, against the Lightning over the years. There's no question about that. We enjoy coming down there. I can tell you right now, Greg, it is uh, the wind chill here is minus 20. <laughs> and it's a little bit different back, back in your area. And I, I see that the Lightning are going to Winnipeg tomorrow. And it's a minus 18 up there today right now. So it's pretty interesting to see how it is tomorrow. But, you know, hopefully the uh, cold weather here will affect your players walk, making that walk from the hotel to here. Yeah, for sure. Nobody likes that cold weather, especially coming from down south. Tom, uh, it's curious. You know, the white, the Wild, they've lost four in a row, slipping further behind in the West. And you've got to think, if they want to make a push for a playoff spot, these next four games at home are critical, aren't they? Yeah, they really are. I mean, Minnesota's probably at the lowest point they can possibly be right now. And against, you know, we're talking about uh, playing against Tampa before, and you look at Tampa's record against Minnesota. Minnesota's 17-7-3 against them, but they were Minnesota was playing when they were against Tampa when they were playing very well. Minnesota was right now. Minnesota is really struggling. They're not consistent. They're not getting good goaltending. They're not scoring goals, and they're taking far too many penalties. And you can't do that against the big clubs. And Minnesota found that out the other night against the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins. They went into you know into Pittsburgh and just got thrashed in that one by a score of seven to three. And they only had five defensemen because of the uh, the mishap by the the coach prior to the game. 
uh, put down the wrong lineup, so they had to go the entire game and play against Sidney Crosby, his first game back, and the fact that the uh, the Penguins are playing so well right now, and it just was not a, a good mix for Minnesota. But the Wild, the next few games are critical. We we have not had a lot of home games, and so we're hoping that uh, that they can make a little bit of a run here, make a stab at least getting back in position. You know, you mentioned just being inconsistent, and I'm wondering, Tom, does that stem from the goaltending being a bit up and down? How do you look at uh, the inconsistencies from the Wild, and where does it stem from? Well, that's that's part of it. The goaltending is critical. If you don't have solid goaltending, you're going to be in trouble. And neither one of our goaltenders have really stepped to the plate this year, in my estimation, anyway. And uh, Devin Dubnik has gone through a little bit of a stretch here because his wife had some medical problems, so his mind wasn't completely here. Uh, hopefully he can turn that thing around. But it's it's like any team, when you're not going well and you give up that first goal and it's an easy goal, you think a save could have been made, it kind of takes the air out of the bench. And that's what Minnesota has to guard against. And that's why the goaltender, uh, you're able to get your goaltender uh, to make those big saves when necessary. You're going to be in trouble. Yeah, and you know it's interesting. The Lightning were going through a bit of that early on. Vasilevsky was, you know, a bit inconsistent, but you know, since that ten-game win streak, really back on track, and uh, it's it's amazing the difference a goaltender can make. And, and Tom, it it is interesting. You talk about really valuable positions throughout sports, whether it's the quarterback, whether it's a starting pitcher in the NHL. If you don't have a good goalie, you're not going to win many games, regardless of how good your team is outside it. Well, we've often said, and I think what Junior Ubiakura once said that. Goaltending is 50% of the game. Unless he's bad, then it's 100% because you're going to lose. <laughs> right. And, and he's absolutely right. I mean, if you don't have the goaltending, and you need a good backup to go your, your number one goaltender also, a guy that you can rely, rely on maybe for 20 games a year. No doubt about it. Well, what about uh, offensively, Tom, when you take a look at the Wild, led by some veterans for sure, Stahl and Parisi, you know, they're uh, having decent years, Stahl, especially 33 points through 46 games. But do you feel like the supporting cast has let them down a bit? Yeah, I definitely do. I think we're looking for our young kids to really step up and make some good things happen, and that has not happened. Even J- Jason Zucker, who was out with a broken leg, is not back where he, he needs to be right now. It's his birthday today, so hope maybe he'll get a, a birthday wish and get a goal here tonight, but he's not where he should be. I look at Matt Dumba, uh, who was uh, you know injured last year, but he's been terrific for this club over the last couple of years. But right now he's sitting on three goals on the year, and he's had no goals in 28 games. And here's a guy that plays a power play a lot. He gets he gets lots of opportunities, but the consistency in his game is pretty well uh, has been uh, been missed by this hockey club right now. But he's not the only one. Young kids you want you hope are going to develop have not developed. A Greenway's another guy that really at six foot six, 227 pounds, has got size. He's got skill, but he has not played very well. He's only got one goal in the last 14 games. And, Look at those young kids to step up. Your veteran leadership has to still be there, and you expect that guys from from Koivu and from from Stahl and from uh, you know uh, the back in the and the blue line. You've got a suitor back there. You you're hoping hoping those guys will kind of lead the way, but the young guys have got to develop at some point. You know, Tom, I'm curious what you think because we've seen basically every NHL team do this, that when they want to keep franchise players, they end up giving them big contracts. And we know Minnesota certainly did that with Parisi and Suter. And in a lot of ways, you understand why they did it to bring guys in to compete and to win. But do you feel like those contracts uh, hinder teams more times than not just in general? And what do the Wild do with those two players? I guess you can't do much. You hope you can surround them with enough good players and hopefully win. 
Well, that's what you want to do. And if you look at the average that those guys are making, it's seven and a half million dollars a year when you're talking about Parisi and Suter, those two guys. And and for top end players, that's not very much in today's market. Uh, at the same time, it's hard to be hungry when you're full. That old saying is so true because all of a sudden, you know, these are guaranteed contracts. They're going to get their money. They're in $98 million and uh, have no trade contacts, uh, contracts. And that's the one thing that really disturbs me is a lot of these veteran players now uh, with their agents are demanding no trade contracts unless they agree to it. And all of a sudden, you're, you're, hand, you're, you know, you're handcuffed as a general manager. Billy Guerin comes in here in his first year, and he was really handed a very, very difficult task of turning this team around because trades were made last year that really hurt this hockey club, uh, both on and off the ice. And, and as a result of that, I mean, it's a struggle for this team right now. And Billy's going to have to find a way to try and turn, turn it around. But uh, it's not an easy task when you're coming in first year as a GM. Yeah, for sure. Tom rejoins us here on Lightning Power Play Live, getting you set for Lightning and Wild. You mentioned Bill Guerin coming over from Pittsburgh, and you know I'm sure one of the first things he wants to do is kind of evaluate who he has on this roster and, and what's possibly out there uh, in terms of a trade to make. Uh, a guy you've heard a lot be somebody, especially I think linked to Pittsburgh, but you wonder if that's going to be expedited a little bit more, Tom, is Jason Zucker. I'm wondering, do you feel like he's one of those guys that Bill Guerin may look to unload because he could get something for him. And again, we talk about some relief cap wise, making five and a half million. And Greg, that's what happened last year. Uh, Paul Fenton, when he was here, made trades, uh, picking up three players uh, from other teams that really didn't have the quality of the players he traded away from, but he didn't get the draft choices. And that's how you build your franchise is on your drafts. I mean, once in a while, you're going to find a diamond in the rough. It doesn't happen very often. But uh, the thing is, you have to have those draft choices to be able to pick something up. And Jason Zucker is one of those guys that could demand uh, some good draft choices in the future, especially for a club that is trying to get into the playoff picture. I mean, they could use a score. He's got speed. He's got. He certainly has the uh, the skill level. He's coming back off that broken leg, so it's going to take him a while for him to get back into that that rhythm that he's looking for. But I think he could help another hockey club. And uh, the thing is, and when you want to make a trade. First of all, you have to have players that somebody wants. And, of course, everyone wants to, you know, to pluck out your eyes and, and replace them with grapes. And right. <laughs> it doesn't quite work that way, but that's what it is. And, you know, and I talked to Billy Guerin about, uh, about when he was working with Jimmy Rutherford in, in Pittsburgh. And Billy went back there, of course, last year and was well-recognized by the fans there. Unfortunately, his team, the Wild, got beat by Pittsburgh by a score of 7-3. to three. But uh, he was saying that the one thing that, Jimmy Rutherford said that when you make a trade with somebody, you want to do it so both parties win. That you both have a, a you know, feel good about the trade, so you can make more more trades down the, down the road with those same teams. Yeah, that makes sense. So you can do more moves down the road if uh, that ends up happening. Uh, Tom, where does Minnesota go from here? Do you feel like if they're able to climb back into the playoff spot, Bill Guerin may uh, make a move to help him? And do you feel like if they don't, that Bill Guerin may make a move? to help the franchise more long-term? Yeah, I would not be surprised. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if they're sellers. It, it depends what you have to sell, too. There's only a few players, I think, that people would want to have from this hockey club. At the same time, a lot of, you've got a lot of players who have no trade contracts and still have long terms on their, on their, on their deals that they sign. So it's going to be difficult, I think, for Billy. But, uh, uh, you know, he's got, he'll make some moves. Now, what they're going to be, we don't know yet. He's been very patient. He hasn't made any moves yet. He came in to analyze to see what we had. And, uh, right now, what we have down in the farm system, 
and what uh, what prospects are coming in from from other uh, other countries uh, in the coming year. So it should hopefully be a uh, a situation where uh, he is able to make some deals here and get some help for the future. You know, in order to be good in this league, you have to be bad for a while. You have to get some draft choices. And it's like being at the top of the wheel and you're really flying high and all of a sudden you start to lose some of the uh, the, <clears throat> the effects of your big players and your wheel starts to go down. It's how quickly you can get to the bottom and back up to the top again. So that's the way I look at it. But it's not, not an easy fix. And that's why there's so much parity in the league right now because of the you know the caps the, the the ceiling as well as the the floor and it makes it much more difficult well tom before we let you go um you mentioned the parity do you like all the parity in today's game the salary cap certainly has allowed teams to be competitive and maybe errors where they aren't uh, but a lot of people will come back and say you know what i, I kind of liked the dominant teams the teams that could win multiple stanley cups because those are the teams you always wanted to beat, and it gave you something to shoot for. How do you look at, at the NHL today and where it is? Well, I, li- I like the way the way it's, it's designed right now. I think it really gives uh, uh, cities a chance to uh, to experience the good and the bad. They'll understand what's going on, and to really feel that the uh, the teams are making a solid effort to get better. Uh, it's a it's a very tough decision today to make trades with uh, with other teams. The fight, look at the firing of coaches this year and GMs that have been dismissed because they haven't achieved what they wanted. Even even when I look at the Vegas Golden Knights, they were so successful a couple of years ago, and now they, that's where the expectations are, and they're a fairly new team. Will it happen again when Seattle comes in? I have no idea, but it's going to be interesting. But uh, I like the way it's set up right now because – Teams eventually have a chance to get back on that winning, winning run again because of the uh, uh, the way things are set up. Tom, this was a lot of fun. Thanks so much for your time. Enjoy the game tonight. Stay warm if you can, and uh, we'll talk to you down the road. I'll stay inside. <laughs> That's the smartest well, thanks, thing you could do. Thanks, Tom. All right, there he goes. Tom Reed played a long time in the National Hockey League and now a uh, color analyst on the radio side for the Wild network broadcast all right everybody we've got the lightning and wild coming up next can tampa bay get a win in a place where they typically don't we'll find out in just a little bit right here on lightning power play